Hey, it's Liam Kiz. Thanks for clicking on this episode of the Biz With Kiz podcast. This episode is with Dave Horrocks. Dave has a wealth of experience in the sports and research industry and has worked with some of the world's best coaches and sporting athletes. Tune in and learn from it. Before we dig into the show, I'd love it if you could click subscribe if the podcast platform you're listening to this on allows you to. Give it a share with somebody who you think could do with it listening to it or could gain value from it. Give it a like, leave a comment, leave a review, all that type of stuff. Every little helps. I've just robbed that from Tesco, but you know what? I'm not bothered. It's a good saying, isn't it? Anyway, on with the show. Welcome to the Liam Kiz Audio Experience, brought to you by Equip. And this is Biz with Kiz. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Liam Kiz, and this is Biz with Kiz, the podcast YouTube series where we look at people's life stories to help create our own. And I've got a really good friend of mine on the show today. Uh, I've known him for a number of years now. He's a good pal. He's gave me loads of good advice. So I'm looking forward to this. It's Dave. Dave, you okay? I'm good. Good. Good to see you, Liam. How are you doing? I'm very, very good. Uh, Dave, obviously, I know you personally. I'll say Dave Horrocks for anybody who doesn't know your second name. Uh, Dave, give people an insight into what you do as a, as a job. Uh, well, I'm a director of a company called Sensible Soccer. I'm also an academic, work in the education sector, mainly in higher education and the college industry. Worked as an academic at places such as UCLan and at Burnley College and at UCFB, which is where we met. I was head of research there, looking after research projects in the football business and sports sector. I've worked as a sports psychologist in sport, primarily in football, but I've also had experience working in golf, uh, in cricket, and with British cycling, which is interesting. And I've also spent time recently working as a part-time consultant for Manchester United Football Club as well, three days a week, working for the manager, Oli Gunnar and Mike Phelan and the multidisciplinary team under them, trying to assist in whatever small part I can in trying to take the club back to where it belongs. Really? I'm guessing you're a Manchester United fan then? Uh, I, my dad took me to Manchester United when I was a kid. Um, he also took me to Liverpool. Uh, I'm from Burnley. Burnley's the first ground that I went on. So I'm a Burnley fan, really, by heart. Uh, but we, we were exposed to the big football clubs, really, from five, six, seven years of age, because Burnley at that particular time were, were in the lower divisions, third, fourth division weren't doing that well. And what we saw on TV those days were people such as Brian Robson, Steve Coppel, mm. Mark Lawrence, and Ian Rush, Kenny Dalgleish playing for Liverpool. And my dad was just very good to us, me and my brother, I have a younger brother, and exposed us to that type of football. And ironically, my brother's a Liverpool fan. Oh, and wow. I'm a Manchester United fan. So... <laughs> I think we just like the good football that we saw and we like the stadiums and the atmosphere that we've been in and uh, I've probably been hooked on football ever since, really. Mm, yeah, no, uh, you've, you've seen the, 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 good, the good and the, and the bad years of, of Manchester United. Where, where do you think it's going to go uh, in the future? Do you think you're going to get the glory days again? I think they will. Uh, it's a very big club. It's, it's one of the biggest football clubs in the world. Uh, it's got a fantastic structure. I mean, even at this point in time, people will say they're in a rebuild, uh, which we are. But for a club to go through a bad time and manage to win three trophies in six years mm. is some going. Uh, this year, at the minute, we're in a Champions League position, albeit uh, fifth due to what may or may not happen to Manchester City. We, we can get fourth. We can possibly get third. And we're still challenging for two trophies in the European Cup and the FA Cup. So it's not all doom and gloom, and I think we will go forward uh, as and when that happens. It's um, an adventure waiting to unfold, but I yeah. think in time it will come back. No, I, I do. I do think it will as well. Uh, you know, I've, funny enough, very recently I've been reading Sir Alex Ferguson's book. Um, I, I don't usually do reading, but over lockdown I've started it, 
Um, and I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, you start to read it and you start to see it slow. You start look at the game now and you look at United now and you see bits of it just starting to, to come back in. You know, it, it, Alex Ferguson with the, the young players and the way he used to bring them through and all that was part of the United philosophy. And we sort of missed that for a, a few years when he left. And then suddenly you're starting to see it back back into play again. And that made my mind click and think, you know, maybe United in the next couple of years are going to be a force to be reckoned with once again. It, yeah, it's very possible. I mean, you look at the stats, they're one of the youngest teams in the Premier League at this point in time. Mm. Uh, and a lot of the high-performing players there are very young and they'll get better. Uh, the manager's very young, he's doing well and he'll get better. The coaches mm. are young and they'll get better. So it's, uh, it's exciting times ahead, I think, for Manchester United. You've mm. got to be patient and sit tight, but I think we'll be okay. Mm. And you said you, you've been in a, a whole host of different sports where, where your work's taking you. Do, you. do you get up to anything outside of, of football? Do you play a game of golf, go on a bike ride? I, I do. I, I like running. Uh, I like physical activity in general. Um, I do like reading as well. Like you just said, I, I read lots of sort of biographies, autobiographies of successful people from all walks of life. Uh, just read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the founder and owner of Nike. Yeah. Read Ferguson's uh, himself. Um, just read a book on the Rolling Stones, one on David Bowie. So <laughs> quite diverse people who are successful and got to the top of the game mm. uh, because that my PhD was in elite performance and mm. success and I have a real interest in people, companies, organisations, individuals that have got to the top and stayed there and I'm interested in that journey with regard to how they've done it and how they maintain it really. Mm. So part, part of your work is, is, is doing that and trying to see how elite level performers work would you say that is transferred into the, the way that you try and run sensible soccer? Yeah, you, you try and practice what you preach or lead by example. Um, and I think there's a lot to learn from sport. There's a lot to learn from people in business. Uh, you can take people such as Zuckerberg, who runs Facebook, love him or hate him. People have got varying mm -hmm. opinions. You've got Jeff Bezos, who runs Amazon, Richard Branson at Virgin. Uh, Jim Ratcliffe at Ineos, Alex Ferguson, Manchester United, going back as far as Bill Shankly, Liverpool, Bob Paisley, Dave Brailsford, British Cycling. I think if you immerse yourself in those kind of people, you, you, it's difficult not to learn something from them. Mm. I don't think you can copy them, but I think what you can do is take little bits and pieces from each one of them and you, You'll become yourself. I mean, you are yourself, uh, but we, as human beings, we, we're developing all the time. Uh, we change year upon year, month upon month. And the more you expose yourself to successful practice or good practice, the likelihood of you being successful becomes higher. Mm. And I think you, you end up with a greater toolbox, for want of a better word, to be able to take things from. Uh, to put into action or to make decisions or to react to something or to recommend something. So, yeah, get yourself out there, uh, expose yourself, be humble, mm. ask questions, soak things up and, and allow yourself to grow and develop as a person and try and practice that. Mm. I think, that, yeah, that, that's a good point. There's, a, there's nothing bad about learning from somebody else and implementing it in a way that can, can help and benefit your life. You know, the, I think that there is sometimes a sceptical look of, oh, that it's a copycat. But, you know, if, yeah. if you do it in the right way and you're taking advice from somebody who's been there and done it, then it's only going to help you. And I think that should be a th thing that should be applauded and not sort of looked down on it, in a way. Uh, it, but, it's one of the characteristics that comes out consistently in these elite people. They are humble Mm. They will develop, they will grow. And if you trace the histories back, there's change upon change upon change as they go through time. They're never consistent with the same person or the same philosophy from day one to two to three to four. And we do live in an evolutionary world. Mm. Everything changes. Vehicles, televisions, mobile phones, uh, they're all different. And yeah. if you look at the timeline of them, they have evolved. 
I think it's important that we as humans have exactly the same outlook and attitude to life, really, if, if you want to be the best you can possibly be. Mm, 100%. Well, tell us a bit more about your, your, your role at Sensible Soccer. What is Sensible Soccer? What does it do? What does your role look like on a day-to-day basis? Um, it's, there are four directors in the company. Um, it, it's the two arms to the business. It is a retail shop and outlet, which is quite simply a supplier of sports equipment, primarily football equipment. And it, it's a best-in-class shop. We don't have too many suppliers on there. We get a lot of suppliers wanting us to supply their equipment. But ultimately, it, it does supply at a good price uh, what I would class as robust, reliable, professional sports equipment, primarily mm-hmm. for the sports industry. And it's an online retail arm. Uh, very simple, really. Uh, we do take calls, we do advise people, and we do do quite a bit in the education and school sector because yeah, sometimes they need a little bit of advice in terms of what's right for the right age group or what's right for the right physical education or sports lessons. Yeah. And then the other part of the business is actually working in the education sector. Um, fortunate that one of my business partners is Mike Phelan, the assistant manager of Manchester United, with an extensive longevity of success under mm-hmm. Sir Alex Ferguson. He's the only person, I believe, that has played for, coached and been assistant manager of the club. He's back in now, assisting Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And my PhD was done in Manchester United, studying the success, the talent development and the sustainability of serial success. Mm. And I also did a case study on Gary Neville as a person with regard to how he sort of conducted his life to get to the top and stay at the top. So in the education sector, we, we actually take that in there. So I, I published two papers, which were published in the International Journal of Sports Science and Coaching. So they peer-reviewed good-level academic theories. I present that type of thing just as you would in a normal university lecture or seminar mm. uh, type environment. And then Mike will bring it to life because he's actually lived it. So it's quite a unique experience, really. And I mean, you experienced this yourself when you were at UCFB. So for the university students and for the academics, they can get a real first-hand insight into how a theory is developed, what a theory means, how you might apply a theory in an alternate setting, as we said earlier, but then B, be able to dig into the man that actually lived it and practiced it and experienced that environment and culture on a daily basis. So it's a real bonus and addition to any university or college's enrichment and enhancement programmes in terms of bringing your studies to life. Yeah, no, I can imagine it to be such a powerful tool for anyone to listen to. You know, you've got someone like Mike who has, as you said, done it he's experienced it and then you've got someone like you who, who can help put it into words onto paper so people can start to look at it and go how can we implement this elsewhere it might not work exactly the same as as football but you can take the philosophy and the theory behind where the success and the, the elite performance is coming from and then try and implement it in work, the the work or the environment that you're in yeah, no, it's a really, it's a really good idea. And as you say, that that is very unique. You wouldn't find that really elsewhere, I don't think. No, it, it is quite unique. It goes down very well. Uh, we we get good audiences, uh, get good publicity. I mean, we've had national newspapers have turned up. We were on the back page of the Daily Telegraph. We've been in papers such as the Daily Mail. ITV turned up at one particular university down in Anglia, uh, and they filmed it, and we ended up on the. Uh, tea time news slot which was uh, interesting and something different yeah it, it, it creates a buzz around the students as well because uh, as well as Mike's story there's my story mm. uh, I, I came into academia late um, but I, I did well and I didn't do very well at school um, I, I wasn't the best or the best behaved from sort of ages 11 through to 16 and, <laughs> Sort of the school college setting wasn't 
really for me. I was a typical mischievous football playing lad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for want of a better word, but from having not the best of qualifications, I ended up going on in later life to be able to get a degree, a master's and do a PhD. Uh, so mm. again, that, that, that's a good story that is helpful, I think, to students because I, yeah, I, didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted to be at 18, 19, 20, 21 years of age. Uh, but I still wanted to be a professional footballer. I'd been in and out of the game and had various experiences, but at that age, you're never ready to admit that you're not going to be a footballer or a, or a pop star or an astronaut. You've mm. still got too many dreams in your head to be serious. Yeah, I think you'd make a good pop star, you know, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think what you said there is true, isn't it? Because you, for, for maybe young people who do struggle in a, in a school setting, uh, you know, sometimes I think there's there's room to try and bring out different different talents that these young people might have if they're not academic as such. But your story is a bit different because usually you hear the, 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 the child who struggled in school and then doesn't really go on to something academic but still becomes a success by finding something else. You struggled yeah. in school but then succeeded in academia to the point where your journals are being published. Uh, that's, a, that's a bit of a, a crazy journey in itself. Well, it's not something you ever thought of. If you were to ask me or my family or any of my friends when I was 25, 27 years old, uh, would you become an academic or would you ever become a published peer-reviewed scientist? They, they would have laughed and I would have laughed that it was impossible at, at that period in my life. And at that time, I worked in the IT industry as a salesperson, really, selling IT systems and call centres networks. So... <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't have been further away from academia or sport at that point in my life. Mm, well, so you've gone from school and then was that the job that you did straight away, selling the, the IT stuff after school? Or No, uh, I, I came out of school. I, I was desperate to be a footballer. Uh, I was reasonable. I was in and out of several clubs. Uh, I had trials and played youth team levels and reserve games for people such as Crew, Blackpool, Blackburn, Accrington, Stanley. Uh, Never got anywhere, uh, looking back at some of the players that I played with at the time who went on to greater things, you could quite safely say I probably never was going to get anywhere. Um, but I loved it. I, I loved the game. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I think what sport does, I was quite an active runner as well. At school, I was, I was a successful runner. We had a, our sports teacher was heavily into running. His son was a good runner. Uh, he was sort of in the top three in England. Mm. Uh, and I had another guy in my year who was also a good runner and, and quite a big noise on the international and national stage. Mm. And I, I used to, I wasn't as good as them, but I used to join in. Certainly cross-country mates, you needed teams of four or five. So I was a bit mm. of a support type, but it drove me on. And I did quite well. I'd run in races with sort of 600, 800 people and got positions such as 11, 17, things mm -hmm. such as that. I mean, my teammates were winning these or finishing second and third. Uh, but it, it, it pulled you on. Uh, and I guess where I'm going really with the football and the running, I think sport has made me competitive. Uh, yeah. And it's made me a survivor, really. When I came out with no real qualifications, Mm. I, I I battled on. I never didn't work. I worked in a paint factory. I worked at a local bread factory. Uh, mm. I worked as a labourer in an engineering place. And sport just gave me confidence. Uh, I was a character. I could talk to people. Um, I was honest. And then that took me into a sales role. I just got a job as a trainee. A, a local company took a gamble on me. And I moved through that company quite quickly. Um, I went as an assistant in the furniture department to then selling fax machines to then photocopiers then went into IT which was sort of Cisco equipment and networks and telephone systems and call centres and moved through it quite quickly uh, didn't really have a passion for it or a great deal of knowledge for it uh, mm. but what I did have I had a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm to bring to the party yeah uh, and I would work hard. 
and I'm still playing football. You're playing for local teams in what would be the Lancashire Amateur League or the Northwest Counties League, um, and still living for football and running, really. Uh, and then it was at a, a latter point, probably when I was getting towards 30 years of age, I'd had, well, I've had seven operations through football uh, and running because I pretty much put my body through the mill. Yeah. And you're not playing as much and you're not as competitive when you're running either. So as things are starting to tail off, I started volunteering a little bit and coaching some of the younger teams. Mm. And I got involved with a club and I coached boys and girls teams at six, seven, eight years of age. Uh, started to do coaching badges, level one, level two. And that in particular got me an interest in people and psychology because I mm. it made me reflect on my own education I, I don't I didn't come out with the best of qualifications but I had ability mm. you, you look at my school reports and they all say he's a bright lad he's got ability but he's disruptive and he's not achieving his potential and you're thinking well looking back I'm 12 13 really is this entirely my responsibility it, should someone really be able to get more out of that where they're admitting in the report that there's clearly some raw material there for this person to be a success? Mm. And that sort of made me think, can, can I now use that as a positive? Because there's clearly other people like me that are going to be coming through schools and education systems. Will they suffer the same fate as me and have to survive and find their own way and then on the flip side, how many perhaps weren't as tough as me and didn't survive or didn't have that will to cling on? How are they going to get through? Uh, so I got interested in psychology. And through the Open University, I started a degree, uh, yeah. just doing modules out of interest to complement the football coaching that I was doing because I wanted a better understanding of people. And... I just started getting good marks. Uh, I don't know why, <laughs> but because I was interested in the subject. I got a part-time job at Burnley Football Club uh, as a coach, just helping with the youth team and the academy people and delivering bits of psychology and performance analysis while I was going through the degree. Mm. And just like everything else, I threw the kitchen sink at it. Uh, I was supposed to be in there three days, sorry, three hours a week. I, I'd go in for 12 hours a week. Yeah. I'd watch matches, I would help coaches. There were certain coaches that perhaps weren't IT literate, so what they needed doing on the computer, I'd do that for them. Yeah. Um, and you, get, you gain trust through doing that, but being humble and sort of saying, look, I don't really know what I'm doing here. I'm studying in the field, but I'll find out and I'll ring people and I'll ask. Mm. And... and and players and coaches are grateful for that. But at the same time, they actually start to get better. Mm. So that gives you a kick and you think, right, I'll do more of it. And your addictive personality comes out. And through Burnley, we used to do all our physiological and psychological testing at the University of Central Lancashire at the time because clubs didn't have lots of sports scientists or psychologists. And we were a championship club. And the head of the programme there was a, a, a guy called Dave Shaw. Uh, he was the head of the psychology programme. He asked me what I was doing. Uh, I told him I was coaching. I was doing a part-time course at Open University. He said, why don't you come here? Uh, we could transfer you. you. You've got a wealth of experience and enthusiasm. And I think he wanted to take me under his wing. He was experienced. He was probably about 60 years of age. Um, he could see that I had a passion, but I think he could see that I was raw as well. Mm -hmm. And I was probably trying to do some things that I didn't really have enough expertise in. But unlike some academics, he didn't really sort of poo-poo that or dissuade me. He'd sort of tap into that raw fire and think, I can grow this here and I can make this lad better. Mm -hmm. So I joined the course there in year two. Uh, I went through the degree and I met a lot of other people there as well. Uh, who I'm still in touch with today, who are fantastic psychologists, scientists and academics. Mm. Um, and I got a first class degree. 
I'm thinking, wow, I, I remember going home to my mum and dad and saying, I've got a first class degree from a reputable university. How's that happened? Yeah. <laughs> and I got a scholarship. It was called the Gilbertson Scholarship because I ended up with the highest mark in the cohort um, to do a PhD. Wow. So I thought, right, okay. I only actually came here to be a better level two football coach. <laughs> and I ended up doing a PhD. Wow. Um, which fantastic on my behalf, but I think great credit goes to those lecturers who, who finally saw something and saw some potential in a raw person and a, and a passion for sport and a passion for football and got the best out of me. Mm. I think it's a, it's a really cool philosophy, that in itself, isn't it? Because when we think of a, a coach, we always think of the sporting environment where, let's use Mike as an example, Mike feeling in his day job is trying to get the best out of his players all the time, mm. every day on the training pitch, on a match day, trying to get the best out of them. That, that is something that can, is, should be put into all areas of, of life. If there's roles of management and there's people who are teachers, you should always be looking to how can I get the best out of this individual? And it's it, 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 right. It, and it's about that person because they didn't, they didn't change me. And mm. I'm still that daft 13, 14 year old that was to a degree hard work at school. Uh, and I didn't, there was still, a, I didn't turn up to all lectures. I might do my reading at random times. The odd piece of work would be on late, but they could see that I had a passion for the subject and they worked with that. They, they didn't get a curriculum and put it into me. They took David Horrocks as an individual mm. and thought, the serious potential here, but yeah. he is an individual. And I dare say they probably do that with all the other students. I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. But those people in that university environment were as good a coaches as Mike Phelan is. When I see him working with his players, he, he, he works with Marcus Rashford as Marcus Rashford. He works with yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He doesn't sort of get a manual out or the Mike Phelan manual and sort of say, right, this is how it is and we're going to go from A to Z. Mm. Yeah, and an in, in individual approach is needed, isn't it? Absolutely. Work with the individual, work with the human, work, work with the person. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I'm reading at the minute the, uh, a book called Eleven Rings by Phil Jackson, the um, Chicago, Chicago Red Bulls. Uh, Again, inspired by The Last Dance, everybody watched it. Uh, it. It's viral on social media. Everyone's, what can we learn from it? And again, just like everything, I'm like, right, well, how can I push this further? So I'll, I'll find the book, I'll read that. Uh, I've engaged with other NBA coaches and people who've had experience in the NBA to find out more about this guy. This guy's got 11 rings. That's the equivalent of Ferguson and beyond. So. Mm how's he done that and the one underlying thing that comes out is a very humanistic individual mm. he is a people person and that is pretty much I've not got to the end of it and I've quite a lot to learn and read yet but the one thing that's coming out is that Phil Jackson as a coach is interested in people and human beings mm. indeed it's, a, it's definitely needed uh, and I, I, it's been, that's, I think from that point when you've had that in you, you've started to do that to the people who, who you've came across, obviously becoming a, a lecturer in university, which is majority younger people, loads of young people now had that same experience of what was passed on to you. So it's an ongoing cycle of when you teach mm. that person how to do that. Sometimes if the person is, has got it in them, they'll go and do the same thing and the, the cycle continues to go on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you probably experienced some of my lectures and seminars, as I know some of the guests that you've had on here have. And I, I dare say that sometimes people walk into one of my lectures or a class and they're not quite sure what they're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> but one way or another, I get the best out of that group. Yeah. And I get the best out of that class. And how I do that, 
I'm open. I want to find out about them rather than here we go, we've got a curriculum, we've got a six-week block and another six-week block. I want to know who's in the class and why they're in the class and where they've come from and what brought them here and where they want to go. Uh, mm. And some of them don't know where they want to go, which is absolutely fine. And I work with that, with the individuals, uh, obviously the, the curriculum and the subject that they're learning is a, a part of that. But... Mm. You work with the individual. Mm, indeed. Well, you, you've, done, you've had such a, a vast amount of experience through academia, through universities, through colleges, through coaching. You're, you're at Sensible Soccer now and you're doing other things as well on the side. Where, where do you see this going? What, what, what do you want to achieve in the future, whether it be with Sensible Soccer or, or just on your own shoulders? Uh, I'm, I'm very happy where I am at this point in time. Uh, I'm involved in sport, I'm involved in academia, uh, and I'm involved in a business. I, I'm the kind of person who needs to have something to stimulate me. I, mm. I find it difficult to... I, I have worked in jobs and I've worked in the education sector, and I find it difficult to repeat nine to five on a daily basis. Mm. I have to go forward all the time. I'm not sure where that journey is going to take me. Um, it's taken me to some fantastic places over the last 15 years, I can assure you. I've done things that I never dreamt I would do. I'm fortunate now to work three days a week in Manchester United. I've worked on the European Tour, the US PGA Tour, the South African Tour in golf. I've had meetings this week with Stanford University and George Washington University out in America. Uh, I've had meetings with NNP. So I never envisaged myself doing this 15, 20 years ago. And I enjoy it. I, I enjoy every single day. So I don't want to put a lid on it and kind of say, I want to get there. Yeah. Um, I'm not greedy. I, I don't have an ambition to say that I want this company to turn over millions. That, that's not really me. Uh, I want success. Yeah, what I do with and in Manchester United, there's a clear directive. Manchester United ultimately have to win the Premier League and then the Champions League. They're one of the biggest clubs in the world. So that's what I do there. Uh, education. I have to get the best out of the people. I have to get people to fulfil their potential mm. and get them to perhaps reach for things that they possibly didn't seem possible or hadn't thought of before. And in the business... It's doing well, it's going forward, it's increasing in sales, it's increasing in turnover, uh, it's providing a good service for its customers and its clients out there. So I think all three things keep me happy. Yeah. Uh, and I get a good life and a good salary out of that at this mm. point. Yeah. Um, and I've got a young family, I've got, I've got a six-year-old son. I've got fantastic interest in, in him and... And what he does, he, his big interests at this point in time are fishing and Lego, uh, which I'm not that interested in, but I am now. And I yeah, love seeing good. his face smile. And we, I, I took him for his first fishing lesson the other week. He caught about 12, 15 fish. <laughs> he was absolutely buzzing. He, he came on with an unbelievable smile on his face. Mm -hmm. So we downloaded some fishing programs on Amazon. We bought a fishing book. So I'm tapping into that enthusiasm to develop him. Yeah. He loves Lego. He, he loves, he's six and he's building things that are age sort of nine to 12 or even 12 to 15. Um, mm. But he's got that fire that I had for running and football. But mm. it's going into Lego with yeah. him. So through tapping into that fire, I can get him beyond his years mm. he doesn't just follow the instructions he'll destroy things and he'll he came into me the other day said dad i've built a rowing machine i'm like right wow and you look at it and it moves and it's got a chain on it and it's got the wheel on it where you can change the weight it's <laughs> un unbelievable um and it's not out of a book <laughs> yeah he built a barbecue he built a train he, he built a a spaceship and they, these aren't out of books these are just bits that is destroyed from other books that he's got <laughs> what the, uh, yeah 
and reconstructed. So there's a degree of creativity in there. Yeah, no, there is. Fantastic. And it, I just love getting all the Lego out and lying on the floor with them thinking, right, we, we've just got a mess here on the floor. What, we, what are we going to end up with? What are we going to end up with? <laughs> no, that's cool. No, and if he keeps taking off fishing, at least your dinners will be sorted as well. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, I like, yeah. it's quite therapeutic, actually. We, um, there was him and his mate. Uh, we, we went with a, a fantastic guy called Mark Smedley, who's a coach who does a lot in the education sector as well. Mm. And he, just fascinating to watch him learn new things. Uh, they, mm. they had a, a little book, which was a bingo card, where there's about eight different fish on there, so they're learning to identify the fish how to look after the fish, how to care for the fish, how to respect the environment. And it's it, just great to watch again. And mm -hmm. it started, it was absolutely throwing it down at one point, but they were loving it. Two mm -hmm. kids, I'm stood there thinking, wow, it, it's freezing here, man. How long are we going to be here? But then you look down and the kid had no idea that it's raining. No, they're loving it. Absolutely loving it. No, I think it's a, it's a, a really good, good thing to do that, I think. Sometimes I I wouldn't I wouldn't know. So I I take my example off my mum because my my dad left when I was when I was five. But my mum was a bit similar to you. It was like just try try everything and and whatever you start to to get into, then we'll start to p pursue that more. And and I think that's the the best way of doing it. Otherwise, you can have sort of a philosophy of because I like football, you need to like football, and and that's not going to help them mm. down down the line. I think maybe your psychology stuff has helped with that type of stuff. It, studying psychology and studying a degree has certainly got me a, a far greater perspective of human beings and the fact that everybody is an individual person. They, they are different. I think life is precious. Mm. and you, You've got to smile. You've got to enjoy yourself and you've got to try and then... You know, if you if you can turn what you enjoy into work, which is what I do now, and I'm doing three or four different jobs, but I don't I don't dread the alarm going off in the morning. No, I, I've got different things going on every day, but what I'm doing, I've created work out of things that I enjoy. Yeah, and, and that's I think far more important for me than you know worrying about what, where I'm going to be in five years or what the career ambitions are or I just love what I'm doing and at the minute I get paid for it. Yeah no I think that's a good way to go about it isn't it you know that I'm, I'm the way I do I, I have goals but I wouldn't really they're not rigid that like, I'd like to be here in maybe five years or so but it's more of a, a process and a flow uh, yeah. which can, can change either way as, as as we go on it's not like I must be here type of thing because I'm not I, I, I this is a discussion that came, came up a lot recently that I, I find success in the process rather than that eventual end goal um, I think if you trust yourself and if you work hard you throw everything at it and you enjoy it success will come yeah find you it, it will come yeah. You know, I, I've done a lot of things. Some people sort of look at it and think, oh, it's quite random. Uh, but I have done very well for myself. Yeah, but you put the graft in, didn't you? As you said, even at the early days of coaching at Burnley, it was, I'm only needed for three hours, but I'm going to go in for 12. And, and because yeah. of that, it started this ongoing cycle of, and even before that, when you, were, you, you went up the ranks quickly, you were, you know, if you put the work in, eventually it, it, it will come. It does, it does. Mm. Well, on, that's a really good piece of advice for anyone, isn't it? But for, for anybody else who was trying to get into the, the sport industry or, or, or the academic industry, what would be your top tip uh, for them? Pick something you enjoy for a start, because uh, you've got to work hard, but it's easier to work hard if you're doing something that you enjoy. Mm. Uh, it's fine to do something that, you don't enjoy, but don't stick with it and play, you, you know, put yourself, get yourself a lot of different experiences mm. uh, as early as you possibly can. Once you find something, you will have to volunteer. Uh, and it's, you know, I've, 
now fortunate to do a degree of work for arguably the biggest football club in the world, but I volunteered at Grimsby, I volunteered at Bradford City, volunteered at Burnley, um, driven the length and breadth of the country, at setting off at five o'clock in the morning to get to particular places. Mm. That might just be to carry the water bottles for a cocktail per team, but you just never know what you're going to learn in the situations that you're in. You end up studying a team talk with, a, let's say, a youth team and you're up in Carlisle, of all places, and they're trying to turn around a 3-1 deficit, uh, but they're also trying to get across messages that they've got on the training ground in how a back four or how combination play or switching the player will function. Mm. And you're just learning by being in the environment and listening to experienced people um, and some, some of these people will do it right, some will do it wrong, some will make mistakes, uh, and it's then looking at another perspective of it. I've just been to that place and I've heard that or I've seen that happen. How would that happen somewhere else? Yeah. And just being very open, really, and, and questioning things. Mm. I think it, it, it is fine to question things and fine to dig you know i'm very i'll push myself out of the comfort zone yeah um it would be very easy to sort of go in a football club and think like right well i'll 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 stand with one of the chief scouts or i'll, I'll sit next to the physio but i'll if the opportunity is there to sort of speak to one of the best players or to sit next to the manager or the coach i'll do that mm. I'll not pester them, but you'll listen and you'll learn. And there are times where you might think, oh, why did you do that? And you'll ask some daft questions, mm. uh, but you'll ask some good ones. And you don't know whether the questions are good or a daft one until you've actually asked it. Yeah, no, yeah, 100%. You've got, you've got to do hard things, haven't you? And if you do them hard things, which, which some people might not do, it's, gonna, it's only going to make you more experienced and understand more about what you're trying to get. Yeah, experience, that, that, that's a key word. And I've had a lot of good experience and I've had a lot of bad experience. Mm. I've had a lot of indifferent experience, but what I've had is a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah. And you, you've got to get up early to get that experience. You've got to stay up late to get that experience at times. Mm. Sometimes you've got to sacrifice things. There are times where you might not be able to go out with your mates, so you might not be able to do that family meal or whatever it is because you are mm. furthering that experience. Yeah. Uh, and, and experience is, it, that's been as big a part of my education as has education per se in a formal setting. Mm. And UCFB where we were, I think is very good at that. Uh, and lots of universities and educational establishments are now getting into this in terms of what does the world of work look like? Mm. What does pressure look like? What does failure look like? What does success look like? What do hard times look like? What do good times look like? What yeah. does doubt look like? And you're getting away from sort of books and black and white and theories and the dream world to the real world. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. Yeah, that's and, it. And just learn, learn from it, reflect on it. Don't, don't be frightened of making mistakes. Don't make them again. Mm. You know, don't, don't make the same one again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You always have to tell someone that you've made one either. Mm. Just don't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too right. No, I think, yeah, experience is key. And it, you know, if you are a young person listening or, or watching this, making sure that you go out and find them experiences and working for free and doing voluntary work is is important. You know, there's a there's a huge discussion that always goes on, doesn't it? That you know, oh, we're in a generation where the the young people just expect expect, and it's not just their fault. It's it's the upbringing of them as well, where they've been led to believe that they can just get. You know, it's a it's a lot deeper than than what meets the eye, but you know, we still have a responsibility now as an older generation who have gone past that to say, go and push, go and find the experience, do the hard things, sit next to the people who other people might not go and sit to, as you said, 
Mm. And you will start to learn along the way. And from the bad times, from the good times, you'll eventually find success. It's getting out of that comfort zone as well and understanding that I've been in situations that are uncomfortable or you panic or you think you're out of your depth. I'm sort of sat here with one of the world's best coaches here. And I remember one particular situation. I ended up in a conversation with Pep Guardiola for about 25 minutes, 30 minutes. It happened, accidental quirk of circumstance. And you get nervous and you panic and you're thinking, wow, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm talking to, this is one of the greatest coaches that's ever lived who's reinvented football to a degree. And then you're sort of thinking, well, just, he's a human being, he's a nice guy. And you're having a conversation about football with him. You're having a conversation about tactics. Ironically, he's actually from Catalonia. My brother's lived in Catalonia for 15 years. We talked a bit about the area and the culture out there mm-hmm. and his family and his kids. And you think, he's actually just a normal human being, yeah. just like me. And as I'm talking to him, I mean, we've all seen him on TV. He's got absolute bundles of energy. Yeah. And that's then transcending into me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have a panic attack here. <laughs> and I just want to get out of here. But then you're thinking, oh, it's fine. Calm down. Yeah, <laughs> every human being, it's Pep Guardiola, and and that's just one example. But I've put myself in lots of situations like that, mm. and I know lots of footballers that have played in games thinking, "Oh, this is beyond me," or golfers that have been in tournaments where this is beyond me, yeah. or business people that have been in meetings and they're panicking and they're sweating. This is, I can't deal with this multi-million pound deal. Mm. It's normal. Yeah. People will feel fear and feel anxiety, mm. but you'll be better for it after it. Mm. And it, I remember part of my PhD studies, I, I was very fortunate to spend a lot of time with Gary Neville, fantastic person who's now got his own university, and he, he's great for young people. And I was asking him about his retirement, and he told me one particular story about he was going down the tunnel at Old Trafford and he didn't get the sick feeling in his stomach. He didn't get the nervousness. He didn't feel the butterflies. And he said, the day that you find that you're not nervous or you don't feel sick to go out in front of them 76,000 people, it's not for you anymore. It, it, it's wow. not. He sort of knew that time was up. Yeah. And that's someone who's played 600-odd games for United mm-hmm. and played for England and been in serious situations played in the Champions League final that went right to the wire who people look at and think he's invincible Uh, he probably is to a degree (laughs) but he gets nervous or got nervous in situations Mm. and it was normal and it was accepted as that was part of him to be able to function Mm. Uh, I saw Aunt Middleton speak recently, uh, the uh, SES soldier, mm. and he was the same. He was talking about nerves, and he's saying you get them, you panic, your eyes go, you feel sick, but that is your body getting ready for yeah. a challenge and not getting ready for a challenge. It's getting ready to meet that challenge and to overcome it mm. and to come out the other side a better person. Yeah. And we all get that, and there are people who I've taught, uh, who do suffer that, and it, and it stops them from getting to where they're capable of getting. Mm. And, I, and I think it's important to understand that and harness it. Uh, you know, and if there's one tip I could give, it is that everybody feels fear. Everybody feels panic. Everybody will go into the unknown. Yeah. But it, it's normal. Yeah, but as you said, it's a, you're better off from from going through it, from from doing that hard thing. The the reward of getting through it is greater on the other side. And I think it's fair to say that that's sort of something that's been replicated throughout your whole career. You're better off by pushing yourself forward, by doing this, by doing that thing that someone else might not, by doing that voluntary work, by going to speak to that person, by thinking psychological about the individual, which at a time might not have been the case with everybody in that sort of environment that you were working in, you were better off 
because you did the different thing and that's got you where you are today? Mm, it's, as I said, I was speaking to an MP the other day and before I'm thinking, well, why does a, and quite a respected member of parliament, why does he want to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> so you get that panic, you're sort of thinking, well, what's he going to ask me? What, what can I bring to the party? What can I, what can I help him with? Mm. Yeah. Um, but it was a great conversation. Great guy, and we've been in touch since. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I, I can only wish you all the best success, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the journey of Sensible Soccer. Really interested in seeing what, what you do in, in individually as well. Um, as long as United don't come up on top against them, <laughs> um, we're going to be absolutely fine. We'll, me and you will stay friends. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got a new manager now, Mr. Ancelotti. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm open for good things. You know, there's a lot of work to be done, but but we'll see. But I'm sure, like like myself, other people are going to be interested in seeing your journey and, and the journey of sensible soccer and so on and so forth. Where where can we find you guys, or maybe on social media or on on the on your website? Uh, we're on Twitter uh, at Soccer Limited. The website www.sensiblesoccer.co.uk. Um, what you'll see is a retail shop primarily, but look under the news section. There's a lot mm. more in there in terms of our activity and what they do. And I'm at Horrocks David on Twitter, capital H, capital D. Mm. Uh, I'm not that active, quite active through Sensible Soccer, but just I'm in different situations all the time. And mm. you can get in touch. The email addresses are out there in terms of info at, so if anybody ever wants any help, uh, I will get back to them. It sometimes takes me a few days, as you've experienced yourself. <laughs> uh, but I do get back to everybody. You do, yeah. No, yeah, no, I, that's fine. I, like it's... I, I've been there myself, and I've pestered people. And uh, by and large, the good ones get back to you. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Passing that knowledge and on to the next generation. It's key. Well, Dave, thank you so much for, for your time today. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Obviously, I, I knew bits about your story already, but I didn't know how um, it sort of all started off with your, your work life and your, your coaching. So uh, that was really yeah. good to hear. Um, I've took loads from it, and I'm sure other people will have as well. So thanks very much for your time. Good. Good luck with the quick. Uh, and keep doing all the great things that you're doing for all those young people out there. It's... Uh, Highly inspirational and uh, not too sure about the comedy on social media though, but it's improving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> the the uh, next Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more, uh, more you're, not, you're not the first person to give me some stick. Yeah, I'll have <laughs> stick on with that. Uh, but yeah, no, thanks so much, Dave. And, uh, I'll chat soon. No problem. Speak to you again. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember, make sure you check out at Equip Group or at Liam Kiss on social media. If you'd like to watch this interview, then head over to our YouTube channel at Equip Group. And remember, if you like our vibe, click subscribe. See you next time for more Biz with Kiss.